If you'd like to come in and find a seat, welcome back. Great to see you in church this morning. Welcome back. Great to see all of you this morning. My name is Alan Dice. I'm one of the pastors here at Newport Church. We are so glad you're here this morning. Uh, welcome again to each of you. Welcome to everyone who's watching by uh, live stream or video later this week or whenever you're watching. We're so glad you're, you're part of our service here this morning. Um, Many of you remember we've been uh, finishing up a sermon series last week. We had two Sundays on financial freedom, and if you missed any of those, be sure to get back to the church website. You can, you can uh, view the videos from the church website. You can hear the audio as well, newportchurch.net, so uh, be sure to catch up on those if you missed any of those. We are, I'm excited about launching into this uh, very quick sermon series. It's, it starts today and ends next Sunday. Uh, Pastor Merle is going to be finishing up next Sunday, so uh, you're, you're in the midst of it. You're getting half of it today, and, and this, is, this is exciting. It, it's about identity and, and who we are in Christ. Uh, so we really want to encourage you to, to catch all of it, uh, get, uh, get this Sunday's and, and uh, get next Sunday's as well. We're calling this Identity Boost, Unwrapping My Identity in Christ. And uh, if you did not get sermon notes, uh, there are sermon notes on the back table. At the top, it says Sermon 714-2019, Identity Boost. Uh, if anyone needs one, needs a copy, you miss getting a copy, stick your hand up and we'll get you one. So anyone uh, need one? Hands? Yeah, there's some hands here. So someone want to grab some, uh, some copies there and here, here are some copies as well. Um, there we go. Great. All right. Awesome. So I'm starting out with, uh, this morning with a simple question, who are you? Did you ever have someone ask that question, who are you? If you asked me that question, I could say, well, my name is Alan Dice. And you could say, well, that's your name, but who are you? I could say, well, I'm, how old am I? 57 years old. <laughs> Uh, I was born March 18, 1961, and you could say, well, that's your age and your birthday, but who are you? I could say I'm a uh, lead elder here at Newport Church, Elm, Pennsylvania, and you could say, well, that's your job, but who are you? Say, I live at 795 Rowan Ridge Drive, Lidditz, Pennsylvania, USA. You could say, well, that's where you live, but who are you? <laughs> I could say I graduated from Oxford High School and, and have a couple of degrees from Lancaster Bible College. You could say, well, that's your education, but who are you? <laughs> could get frustrating after a while, you know. And, and I think, you know, as, sort of as I look at the world around us, we, uh, we see that uh, a lot of people, I believe, around us are in this great search for meaning and purpose and identity and trying to figure out who they really are in life. Um, and so as we start exploring these stages, sort of an introduction, I want to 
I want to look back to the beginning of, of mankind, uh, men and women, humanity, and ask the question, how did we get here to, to where we are today? And, and we know the story of the Garden of Eden. God created the world. God created man and woman. God created Adam and Eve. And what happened to Adam and Eve? They were tempted. They, were, they fell into sin. And as a result of falling into sin, disobeying God, rebelling against God, they died. I mean, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. Their, their relationship, their union with God was, was cut, was severed. And they were separated from, from God. And just today, just as we inherited physical life from our parents, we inherited spiritual death from our first parents way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, spiritual death. And so it sounds really weird, but the reality is that every human being who comes into the world born physically alive but is spiritually dead, separated from God. Now, the Bible has lots of names for, for Jesus, and one of those nicknames for Jesus is the last Adam. Of course, we, we know of the first Adam back in the Garden of Eden. Jesus was referred to as the, as the last Adam. Why? 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 15 says, For as by a man, Adam, the first Adam back in the Garden of Eden, as a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus. For as in Adam first one, all die, so also in Christ Jesus, all will be made alive. So what Jesus, the last Adam, did on the cross is the exact opposite of what the first Adam did. The first Adam was independent. He was going his own way. He was rebelling against God. He was choosing to believe Satan's lies. The second Adam, Jesus, was totally dependent on God. The first Adam brought spiritual death. Second Adam brings spiritual life. The Bible says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. And John 3 goes on to talk about being born again. The second Adam brings spiritual life. The first Adam brought separation from God. The second Adam opened up a way for us to come back to God. So believing in Jesus is something Jesus came up with this phrase. He said, it's like being born all over again, like being born again. He said this to, to Nicodemus, and, and in the message translation, he says, take it from me, unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. And so if we're born alive physically, but dead spiritually, becoming a Christian makes someone a brand new person. Ephesians 4 says that we don't have excuse of ignorance or everything. I do mean everything connected with that old way of life. It has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it, that old way of life. And then take on entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So, becoming a Christian brings brand new identity. Being born again transformed you into someone who didn't exist before. 
There are some cultures when you become a Christian, you get a new name. You get a Christian name added on to the name that you had before. I think that's a really cool idea, to get a Christian name when you become a Christian. Because our personhood, our identity, completely changes. With that should come a change in how we think about ourselves and how we talk about ourselves. Raise your hand if you ever talk to yourself. <laughs> I can't believe that driver in front of me just did that. You know, you know? we talk to ourselves and we talk about ourselves and, and we tell ourselves things. And, and we say, I can do that or I can't do that. We talk to ourselves. When we become a Christian, we're a new person with a new identity. And, and also, we saw from, from the story in the Garden of Eden that the devil likes to lie and feed lies. The, the devil fed lies to Adam and Eve. He fed lies into them. The Bible calls Satan the father of lies. Lied to Adam and Eve. He got them to believe things that were not true about, about God and about themselves. He he lies to us about who we are and about our identities. So what do you do when you encounter Satan's lies? You replace those lies with the truth from God's Word. And, and this morning I have four of those lies that I want to talk about, and I'm sure there are many, many more. And also the four truths from God's Word that replace and tear down and destroy those lies. So lie number one, I am what I do. Because, you know, all people, even Christians, sin sometimes. And if I get my identity from what I do, I will tell myself that I'm a sinner. And if I tell myself that I'm a sinner, then, then if that's my identity, then I'm just going to sin even more. Am I merely what I say about myself? So truth to replace this lie is, I am who God says I am. I am a saint. I am a saint. I am who God's Word says I am. When I tell myself I'm a sinner, I go on sinning. So instead, God's Word says I'm a saint. Now, there's a lot of confusion about this word saint. Now, I have to admit it. You know, sometimes you hear it sort of as a compliment. Sometimes you hear it in sarcasm. Oh, he's a real saint. You know, <laughs> she's a real saint. Uh, some of you are sitting there thinking that the NFL season is uh, just a few months away. And you're thinking of quarterback Drew Brees or, or uh, you're, you're thinking that there's a, uh, a football team in New Orleans called the Saints. So that's another way that you could confuse uh, what the word saint means. Another confusion we have about the word saint is that we think a saint is like this extraordinarily holy person who has died and, and been selected and the word is beatified by the church. And, and so to be named a saint, you have to uh, have died first, you have to be dead, and then you have to have a miracle attributed to you that, that, that you've, you perform some sort of miracle in your life. And... and I think it's unfortunate in some traditions, um, saints are even, even prayed to. Mother Teresa has been made a saint. She's passed away, and she, uh, in some traditions, has been, has been made and called and recognized as a saint. And, and I think 
Too many times we use this term saint as this impossibly holy person who is not like everyone else. And I don't believe any of that's true. I believe what 1 Corinthians 1 says, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. If you have a next child, you can name them Sosthenes. And to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place called upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So Paul implies here that every Christian is a saint. Every Christian, every believer is, is a saint. And, and so uh, perhaps the, the better way to say it is that I used to be a sinner, but no longer now I'm a saint. That's my identity. That's who I am. You move from being a sinner to a saint. Colossians 1, don't think I have it on the PowerPoint, but uh, it says, He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So you moved, you got transferred, you got moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus, to the kingdom of light. Your name changed, your identity changed. Some churches, uh, you go into a church and they call, it, call themselves brother and sister, and that, that's great. I love churches who call themselves brother and sister. I also think it's entirely appropriate for us to go around calling each other saint. We could say Saint Mark, or we could say Saint Brian, or, or we could say Saint Allie, or, or Saint Marie. I believe it's entirely appropriate for us to go around calling us saints on Sunday morning because that's who we are. And I think we should recognize, I think that would drill home to us who our identity in, in Christ is. So... I give you permission to call yourself saints if you, if you want to and use that salutation uh, as, you, as you talk to each other. Lie number two. I am what I feel. Number one was that I am what I do. Number two is I am what I feel. And if I believe the first lie that I'm a sinner, then along comes feelings. Along come these feelings of shame and guilt and depression and anger. I don't know about you, but it, it often seems to me like a lot of people in this world are angry. Have you noticed that? There's just a lot of angry people around. And, and you know, angry drivers and angry protesters and angry politicians and angry customers and angry hospital patients and you know, just angry people. And, uh, and if, if you base your life just on emotions, you know, sometimes you emotionally feel like you're a Christian. And, you know, sometimes we just don't feel like we're Christians, do we? Our emotions uh, don't, don't live up to that. And sometimes you feel like believing the Bible and sometimes you don't feel like it. And, and emotions sometimes aren't that reliable. I, I don't always feel good about believing in a place called hell. But you know what? I believe the Bible talks about it and the Bible teaches it. And, and no matter if we feel like believing it or not, it's there. I, I can't always rely on my, on my feelings. We may look fine on the outside, but you know what? On the inside, you know, many times we're filled with just these feelings of inferiority, of insecurity, of being inadequate, uh, this 
message ringing in, ear, in our ears that I feel like I'm not good enough. Uh, I'm a failure. Uh, that, was, that was a huge one for me for years, that, that as I was, I was growing up and, and uh, through years of my life, there, there was just always this message in my, in my mind that I believed that I was a failure. You know, all those other people had it, had it going for them, but I'll, I'll never measure up to, to what I'm supposed to be. And so, don't get me wrong, emotions are important. God created you with emotions, okay? Uh, but I, I think we should be careful about letting emotions take the lead in our lives. Uh, a long time ago, I saw this little illustration of, of three train cars. And, uh, you know, it was the engine, there was the middle car, and there was the caboose. And it was like, who leads who? And it was like, is the, are, are the feelings out in front, uh, the engine leading your life? Or, or is it uh, uh, what, uh, and the, the three cars illustrated feelings, facts, and faith. And, and the question was, which one is in the lead? Which, which one of these cars is in the lead? And so I'm proposing to you this morning that uh, what drives the train are our facts, the, the truth from God's Word, and then our faith lines up with that, and then our feelings can come along to, uh, to line up with the, with the truth of God's Word. So I want to propose to you this morning that, that uh, uh, truth number two, my feelings follow the truth or facts of God's Word about me. I don't know if you notice as you, as you read in your Bible, especially the, the book of, of Psalms, uh, written by David and written by some other writers, and, and some of these guys are, are just pouring out emotions to God. They're pouring out uh, uh, their, their anger, they're pouring out their sadness, they're pouring out their troubles, they're, they're pouring out questions to God. They're, they're asking questions like, you know, why do wicked people succeed and, and why do uh, righteous people are struggling? And, and they, they pour out all these emotions to God. But what I love about so many of the Psalms is that even as they're pouring out their troubles to God, even as they're pouring out their pain to God, uh, they come around to faith at the end of the Psalm. So Psalm 70, for example, is a, is a Psalm of David. And he's, he starts out by saying, uh, Come quickly, Lord, to save me. Uh, may those who seek my life be put to shame and confusion. So, so people are trying to take his life. Uh, he needed help. And uh, uh, it says, uh, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to help me, O God. But at the very end, he comes around to faith again. And he says, you, God, are my help and my deliverer. You're the one who, who saves me. And, and so we see that uh, even as... David and the other writers poured out their pain and poured out their grief to God. Uh, by the end of the psalm, he circles back to declaring truth about God and his goodness, uh, no matter the depth of, our, uh, of his feelings. So, so my challenge this morning is that we always come back to the truth of God's word. We always come back to what God says about us. So my feelings follow the truth of God's word about me. So number three, lie number three, is that I am what others think or say about me. You know, and 
Maybe it's just the way it is. We judge and evaluate people so much by their outward appearance, you know, how they look, how they appear. And consequently, we put a lot of effort into looking good so other people will be impressed. I like how Dave, Dave Ramsey said in his Financial Peace University, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And, and you know, we, we go to such effort to impress people by our outward appearance. And really what God's Word says about outward appearance comes from one verse in the Old Testament where, where the Samuel, uh, prophet Samuel was sent to the house of Jesse to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. The problem was Samuel didn't know which one, and there were a lot of sons. He was going down through the line of sons, and God kept saying, no, 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 no. And, and uh, Samuel was getting, I think, maybe a little bit frustrated because he'd, he'd been down through all these big, strong, impressive-looking guys, and God kept saying no. And, and it got to the end where uh, there were no more sons left, and, and I think Samuel was wondering, what on earth am I going to do now? There are no sons here. I'm going to look like a fool because I've come to anoint this, uh, this guy with oil. And finally, it dawns on Samuel, oh, maybe they're not all here. Uh, Jesse, do you have any more sons? And he said, yeah, there's one more out in the field. And, and they said, go and, and call him. But here's what God said to, to Samuel about, about uh, outward appearance, what others say or think about me. God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. This is the message. Looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. That was the firstborn, the, the uh, firstborn of Jesse and the family. God judges pe- persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. And so truth number three, my value and self-worth come from God and not from other people. Lie number four is simply, I am what I have. And so also we Americans are, I think, quickly judge and evaluate each other based on what we have. Your job, your clothes, your car, your house become symbols of your worth. Look how I've succeeded in life. And and this is who I am, and this is my worth. And so truth number four says, God cares more about my heart than about how rich or poor I am. There are some spiritual riches in your heart and in your life and in your character that have nothing to do with your income or your investment accounts. Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moths or corroded by rust or, or even worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place where you will most want to be and end up being. So if all you do is pursue financial success... In the end, you'll find that's a dead-end street. So let your ultimate treasure, Jesus said, be in him, be in Jesus, loving him, serving him, encountering him. And, and I believe that Scripture indicates there will be people in you know, these high positions of honor 
in, in heaven who put their treasure in heaven. And, and perhaps some of those people had very little wealth as we judge by, by worldly standards. Perhaps we'll be surprised in heaven to realize that that, that man or woman was a poor peasant or lived in a tiny apartment or, or drove a, you know, 1978 Ford Fiesta. Uh, and yet they're greatly honored in heaven. They didn't have, they didn't have a lot to, to show or um, uh, impress people down here, but they're greatly honored in heaven because they put their, they put their treasure in heaven. It doesn't mean it's more holy to be poor, but it is more holy to have your priorities straight and to focus on God and to focus on his kingdom. So four lies that I think we've exposed here this morning and four truths to replace those lies. We want to uh, not only recognize any ungodly beliefs in us and any ways that, that we believe the devil's lies that are in our hearts, but we also want to displace them. We want to uh, take, take that lie and put the truth of God's word in to displace it and, and remove it. So uh, in your, on your notes this morning, on the back, back, of, the, uh, back of your notes, I've got uh, 40 truths from God's word. And we're going to finish up this, uh, this sermon this morning by two things. We're going to view a, uh, a music video, and uh, I want you to listen to the, the words of this, of, this, uh, of this song. And I invite you to, to pray over these 40, uh, I mean, there are lots more truths from God's Word than these 40, but uh, these are ones that I picked out for this morning. I want you to pray over these this morning as we, as we listen and, and uh, watch this, this song being sung. I want you to pray over them, and I want you to pick out three of them that especially speak to you, that God is really highlighting and speaking to you this week. And, and I want to invite you to, as we watch this, we're going to bring down the lights, and we're going to get ready to start this, that we let the truth of God's Word fill you, fill your character, fill your mind, uh, fill your soul, and let it displace any lies that Satan has in, inside of you. Let's go ahead and watch that.
Kyle, could you put the next step slide up, please? So this morning, next steps for you. This week is number one, a challenge to become a follower of Jesus. Because the rest of this doesn't matter at all unless you become a follower of Jesus. And so uh, if you'd like to stand to your feet with me this morning, we're going to have prayer ministers to come. Being a follower of Jesus means believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that you could have new life in Him, so that you could be forgiven and that you could become a new person, that you could come into the kingdom of God. And so we, we invite you to, to come to Jesus this morning. We invite you to come to God. And, and we believe that, that God has great things for you in your life. I'd like to invite you also to speak these identity truths over your life as a, as a believer. Confess them out loud. Let yourself, let your own ears hear your voice saying them. Uh, look, uh, let God's word wash over your mind and your spirit. Take those three uh, points that uh, you might have as circled as the, as the most important and uh, confess them each day over your life this week. I encourage you to uh, see old thoughts and old beliefs go from your life as a result of these truths. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those who are coming to Jesus for the first time today. Lord, I thank you for new Christians being uh, coming into the kingdom of God here this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you are tearing down old lies and old mindsets in our hearts and our, and our minds, Lord, in our souls. Uh, ungodly beliefs that we've been hanging on to for maybe a year or for years or for decades, Lord. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we displace, we replace those lies, those ungodly beliefs with the truth from God's word. And Lord, would you move among us today declaring uh, and pouring the truth into us that we are not uh, sinners, we are saints, Lord. We are not defeated, but we are conquerors and overcomers in you. Lord, that, that uh, we are not abandoned, but we are brought into the family of God. Lord, we are not uh, uh, homeless, but Lord, we are citizens and members of God's household. We can do all things through Christ, Lord, we, uh, that we can... Uh, overcome the world, that we will triumph in Christ, that we're holy and without blemish. So Lord, I pray that, that this week we would confess the truth of God's word over, over, each, uh, over our lives, over our families, over our children. Lord, we, we declare the truth of God's word over us and that we would uh, receive just a, a stronger revelation of who we are as a believer in, in, in Jesus, as a follower of Jesus. So prayer ministers, would you like to come? We'll be here to pray with you this morning. If there's any kind of need or prayer request in your heart and in your life this morning, we'd love to pray with you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go knowing that you're a saint in Jesus' name.